Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Unschooling Lifestyle. Today, we have two special guests. We have Dennis and Maggie Hagen, and they are the founders of Toledo Spirit Hunters and the creators of Purple Gang Documentary. And the first part has been released, and they are working on the second part. Um, so we're going to talk about their projects and, uh, and how we can help our children who are interested in the paranormal. So welcome guys. You could just walk us through your your beginning into the paranormal. Is it always that you were always been interested or how did you guys get started? So I basically started um TSH, which is Slayo Spear Hunters, back in 2017. Um we were actually living in a uh, apartment complex and I first watched Ghost Adventures on Netflix. It, they okay. had like four seasons on Netflix. Okay. And when I first watched it, I was like, okay, is this real? Because I don't know if it's real or not. Of course. You know? yeah. So I was like, you know, and then I think I lost the interest of it. And then I um and then I caught recaught the interest later on. Okay. Because I think I was just watching the shows then. I would catch Ghost Adventures, I would catch um what? No, I didn't really watch Ghost Hunters on sci-fi. I didn't really get into that one, um, but like now I'm into it somewhat, but okay. back then I wasn't, but I was watching Ghost Adventures and I was watching something else. I can't, I think it was um, Paranormal Lockdown and then, you know, it just trickled on. So okay. then, so then I had a public uh, ghost hunt that happened here in Toledo at the Toledo Yacht Club. So okay. I decided to pay and go. Because I wanted to see, like, is the paranormal real? Okay. And once that happened, I got hooked. Okay. I got to listen to my first piece, what you would call EVP, electrical voice phenomenon. Oh, okay, okay. On a recorder or on a spirit box or stuff like that. So then it took off. I joined the team. And then eventually within six months to, I say about seven or eight months, I broke off from that team, started my own team, created my own logo because I had my own projects that I wanted to pursue yeah, okay. paranormal. So when you guys, when you guys work as a team, you know, like in the first team that you joined and then as you broke off into your own, what, what, how many people are involved in this team and what do you guys do? Um, So basically... I went through team members, basically. They just, you know, came and gone and, you know, conflict, okay. stuff like that. Um, a team can be of three or four. It can be of two. It can be, you know, it's basically, it's it's like, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, it's based on how small you want to keep your circle, basically. Oh, because okay. In the paranormal... In the paranormal community, I you know, the paranormal community is sort of like a gang warfare. People get jealous of people. People attack other teams because they're more, you know, they come up with a better idea or they're jealous because that team's more successful and they're just stuck where they are. You know, I'm being dead serious. I tell people who want to jump into this to please be careful because you will get attacked personally. You will get attacked for stupid crap. <laughs> you oh, just got to be strong-minded. If okay. you're going to jump in this, got to be strong-minded. Okay. Aggie, what, um, so you, were you in the, in Dennis's first team as well? Or did you just uh, decide on when you guys started your own? Yeah, I joined when I started, um, 
the one we have now. Okay. Um, and he wa he wanted me to get into it so it's something we can do together. Okay. Because so, I mean I thought it was interesting and stuff, but I never like I never experienced any any anything for myself. Okay. That, back then, so. Yeah. Um. So when you say back then, so that so has that changed? It sounded like has that changed since you've been more involved in into yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. I kind of opened up more. And I've had like my hair pulled and touched. It. Oh wow. Okay. Okay. So in, in that, you know, as the team, as the team grew, I know, uh, they're like in the, in the purple game documentary, there are several like equipment that you use and you guys talked about different artifacts. So what comes first, like the equipment or, or you start collection, the collecting of artifacts. So the collection of the artifacts actually came first. Okay. Um, I actually collect, I, I actually bought like an eBay DAO that I never knew had a negative attachment to it. But at that time, I was inexperienced in, inexperienced a little bit in the paranormal, but yet in, inexperienced with haunted items and how to okay. do that. So at that time, when I found I had a negative attachment, you know, I didn't know how to deal with the negativity and the demonic that was attached right. to that DAO. So my fear got the best in me. And then I started having nightmares. Oh, I wow. would have nightmares where that Dow, I would come down the stairs and that Dow would like turn its head and its eyes. It, it, it was feeding off my fear. Of course. So I, had to, I had to reach out to some of the um, mediums that were friends of mine and mm -hmm. ask like, what, what, how do I deal with this? Okay. And they told me to build a mirror box, which a mirror box is basically you get a nice size box, you put the haunted item in the box, you put black salt in there, and you have it blessed by uh, a Catholic priest who will throw holy water in there and bless it. But at the same time, you put aluminum foil in it, and when you do that, it basically projects itself off that aluminum oh, foil. Okay. It contains it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And seal each end and corners well that box today is buried in her in-law's backyard because it um, has a, my in sorry my in-law's backyard sorry okay and her parents and it's buried <laughs> there in their backyard because they have a big enough backyard but they haven't experienced paranormal activity to this day because okay, it's, I was buried ask about three, it's buried about four or five feet underground so basically it's just buried in the earth is absorbing it Sort how, of did, how do they feel about that maggie your parents i don't i don't think they really think about it yeah, yeah. I, I don't even think they remember it's they back might, there they probably remember but especially because dad helped you yeah he helped me bury it yeah but uh -huh. and then eventually down the road i actually was like i told my wife i said you know what i said i want to start collecting again but let's try positive energy first let's start out small positive energy well, then I was looking online and I came across this um, website called Honicraft. Okay. I, I contacted the um, owner. To this day, me and the owner are really good friends. He's like, he's like family to me. He okay. means a lot to me. And we're like, seriously, we're like brothers. And he means a lot to me. And to this day, me and him are really, really good friends. And he 
and we basically we bought a picture of a dog that a dog haunts the picture. Okay. It's in our room. Okay. Um, what the funny part about it is, is is that with the dog, I never felt nothing, but my wife did. And my wife owned the dog before I did. So I didn't know what to like. Yeah, but oh, you own one. Well, yeah, one more. <laughs> yeah. She would feel she would feel something brush up across her lower legs. What else did you feel like? That was mainly it. Like it felt, you know, how like a dog walks up. It walks up to you, but no one's there. Now, so is so is that how do you distinguish then from, you know, besides feeling it like from a negative, you know, like from your friend that owns this, the the website or, you know, probably many more items. How do you distinguish uh, a positive from a negative energy? Is it just how you feel about it or how you connect with it or? He basically, him and his team basically investigate the items. Okay. And what happens is, is people have these items, so they already own them and know what's attached to them. Hmm. So they contact him because he sells items for other people, but also for, he also has items of his own there in a, a storage unit that him and his team have pulled out. Okay. So he already knows what's attached to these items. So, but the thing is, is what people don't realize is with haunted items is, is let's just say you go to a thrift store, a Goodwill store, you buy a dowel, right? Mm -hmm. You come to find out, you know, two days later, you're getting doors slamming, you're hearing knocking versus give the doubt to me. And I could have some kind of different experience than you because okay. the entity that's attached to that object can feed off of that person's energy and will react in a different way based on that person, person's energy. Mm, so people, yeah, they have people that have went and bought a haunted item and they expect it to be just like that activity right out the gate it don't work like that it doesn't it, work okay. no it will be it will like what's the word it'll it will uh what's the word i'm looking for it's right there um it'll fill you out first yes you could get some that will be like quick and you're going to get activity and there's some that are just going to fill you out first with the demonic is is what people don't realize with the demonic ones is is that they will they will remain dormant until you start to agitate them. That's what I've come to learn with my objects. If okay. I agitate them, push them, provoke them, play holy gospel, religious prayers, I will get something out of them. But I do that because to prove that there are negative things on this earth and there is demons that will attach themselves to objects. Oh, and okay. If I don't pay no attention to them, they will not be active because they lay dormant onto, they lay dormant. They're attached to the object, but they lay dormant until I start to, you know, start to push, pry, poke. And, um, I know you said, so the items are in your basement. How do you feel about that, Maggie? Does that, like, how many items do you guys have right now? We have over a hundred. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, we don't really get anything. I mean... 95% of our items are all positive. Mm -hmm. So it really outweighs the negative. Okay. And we have felt that difference. Like when the negative tries to like be strong, the positive will overtake it. Okay. Okay. And even our, like on our TikTok, our friend who's a medium, mm -hmm. she has one time he was kind of being um 
manipulated. I don't know how you want to say it. Yeah. Manipulated. And she goes, oh, I feel something really like peaceful, positive coming through. Okay. And then all of a sudden, he was not affected anymore. So oh. all the positive in there pushed that negative away because there's so much more of it than the negative. Okay. Like a museum of items. And yes. how many, how do you come up? Do you buy them? Do you search for them? Or do, or has people have gotten to know you to where they come to you and they say, you know what? I have this. I think it needs a better place than my own home per se. Both. 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 Yeah. We, we get our items from the good friend that I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. We get our items from him because I know one, they're hundred percent haunted. B, I trust him and his team. And C, he's, he, every item that I've had have been haunted, 100%. Um, but yet, we have had people reach out to us and okay. send us haunted items. We've had people reach out to us and say, hey, can you, if I send this to you, can you investigate it for me more on TikTok Live? Because we have the equipment to do it. Okay. These people don't so we had the equipment to bring that that energy that force more alive because we know how to approach it when okay. we when we've gone to museums to film for our paranormal series mm -hmm. i tell the owner of the museum we own a haunted collection in our room at our house we are around haunted items so we can pinpoint a haunted item that is in the museum because I can tell like I'll give an example when we've gone to, we've gone to the Ypsilanti Museum that's in Ypsilanti Michigan mm -hmm. that is like one of the most haunted museums that we've gone to we that were get, pretty incredible yeah that and I'm gonna eventually work on trying to edit that episode and you have to see the evidence we captured on that because the evidence it it went by so quick that I lost track of time where I thought it was 12:30. My wife was like, What time do you think it was? And I said 12:30. She said, Babe, it's only 11:30. That's how much evidence we were getting that yeah. it went by that quick. Oh what equipment do you guys use like at the Ypsilanti Museum? What I mean. We used we used a uh, an SB seven spirit box, which scan it's a radio scans through frequencies. Okay. We, we used a um SLS camera. We used cameras. What we used a flex two, which is a, a device that triggers if it gets like if a spirit moves within the perimeter of the um beams, it will set it off. But they can also use it as a yes or no question type answer device. Okay. Um. What else did we use? Did we use the oh, we, we SLS? Use, yes, I already mentioned that. Oh, we used the Ghost Tube app, which is like an Obulus app where people can, or the spirits can come across and has 850 words, excuse me, that they can pick from. Okay. Uh, but yeah, we were given a tour. And as soon as I hit the room with the um the band instruments and the... And the well, we were... We went, we got, we got a tour. Yeah. And then when we went to start investigating, we started up on the second floor and we had a spirit box going. Yeah. Spirit box going. And we were in this room and we kept hearing like an orchestra. We, huh. and I turned on like my phone flashlight and I'm like, there's 
instruments in this room. We had no idea because it was dark. We didn't realize we were in like there was like flutes and clarinets and trumpets and a, even like a like band a mar- outfits. Yeah. band outfits. We had no idea. And like, why are we getting instrument noises and stuff? And then we I turned on my light and like, oh well, that's why. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we actually focused on that room. That room was very active. Yeah. During the tour, I felt something in there because I walked in and I was like, this is the room. This is this is the room. This is where the activity is. I didn't feel anything else in that whole place except for that. But then when we worked our way, there's like a little display that's like a glass display. Nice. And I was standing it's, there. It's basically like a room encased in glass. Yeah. It's like little kids playing and stuff. So when we when I was standing, I was standing and I was having the spirit box, I felt my vest get tugged on the bottom and Maggie's hair got messed with and you can see in the reflection of the glass uh-huh. and, Maggie, and Maggie turns around like really freaked out like I I go dude my vest has got tugged down she's like dude something just messed with my hair I'm not playing something just messed with my hair and we played it back and we you could see her hair go whoop and wow yeah, yeah. then yeah. over the spirit box like at the same time it there was a voice that said did you do that? Yeah, it asked. Did you do that? So like it was one, asking another spirit. Yeah. Did yeah. you do that? <laughs> they were collaborating. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. is fascinating. How did you guys end up at the Ypsilanti Museum? Was it something that, you know, that you just you just uh asked to 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 tour, you know, to yeah. research or so what I did was when we were filming, okay, so last year when we were filming our our we were actually filming our paranormal series on top of filming the second part to the Purple Gang documentary. So we were busy. So I reached out to them and I said, hey, I said, how do you feel about me and my wife coming in to film for our paranormal series? And they said, okay, sure. They actually did an article on us in their um, newsletter. Yeah, I will say that that was like, out of all the museums we investigated, that was in the top two, the the uh, was it the the Wayne County Historical Museum in Indiana? Mm-hmm. Now that tops any of them because that's where I saw a shadow figure walk from right to left. Oh, that is that part of you? Is that part of the Purple Gang documentary? That no, no. no. Okay. Wayne County, the Wayne County Museums in Indiana. The okay. Ypsilanti Museums in Ypsilanti. So mm-hmm. no. Okay. We were we were filming for our paranormal series. Now, the places that were involved in our Purple Gang documentary was the Leisure Hour because the garage was like an old barn. It was used to house um, supposedly the sedan that murdered Senator Hooper. Okay. Part two, we're going to go into the we're going to go Where into the going? murder, the Leisure Hour. Because the junkyard, no, I come to learn this, and I did a little more history research. The junkyard, that, okay, so the the auto, so you had the leisure hour mm-hmm. across the street. You have that, yeah. Oh, that's where Sam and Lewis, yes, Sam and Lewis's uh, junkyard was. Mm-hmm. It was right there. It was right there. Then across from that, where the leisure hour was, that's the barn. Yeah. That's the barn that the cops raided and oh. found the sedan. And they found the sedan 
that actually was supposedly involved in the Senator Hooper's murder, but it also was constructed to be able, it had a makeshift ramp where it could push the safes that they would go around robbing from stores, oh, wow. okay. push them up into the sedan, shut the door and go. Hmm. So we we investigated that and then we investigated uh, Cops and Donuts. Okay, yeah, that was in the in the in the first yep. part, right? Okay. Yeah, Cops and yeah. Donuts, which were good friends with the owners of them. Mm-hmm. They loved them. Been great. Yep, they've been great, loved them. And then we investigated the Doherty Hotel. Okay. The Doherty yep. Hotel, I have nothing bad to say about them. They're really cool. The owner's the fourth generation owner. Okay. Because his the hotels pass from like generation, generation, generation. But what we we wanted to get into the bar or into the bar area of the Doherty, and they mm-hmm. wouldn't allow us. Well, oh okay, they, they wouldn't allow us, but yet they did when we were there. But it was busy. It was busy, and there was no way. Yeah, contaminated, and the evidence would have been contaminated, and then we would have just had a big ass crowd. Sorry, a big crowd around us, and. So yeah, so it wouldn't have helped. But no. you know, as you describe these places, how do you guys come up, or how do you discover the 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 purple gang one? And then how do you decide that this is what you want to pour, you know, like energy and time to create um, not only one but two parts of a documentary? You know how where is that? How how does that happen for you? Um, so. When I was, so what happened was, is the whole project came together is because I wanted to do something. I wanted to actually challenge myself. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do a documentary. Okay. Okay. I wanted to do something that was really cool. That was really fun. But in the process, as I was researching locations to investigate for our paranormal series, I came across the Doherty. And I was like, okay, Doherty, you know, has history of, Two people shooting each other, cousins related, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Well, then I was like, and then they said it was, you know, is a purple gang type involvement. So I was like, okay, well, then who is the purple gang? Uh huh. We've heard of the purple gang here in Toledo, but technically here in Toledo, Scott Bernstein or Bernstein, who's fourth generation ancestor to the founder of the purple gang, Sam, he told me. And I and I'll probably release some of that more interview as like unedited footage because I need to. But he said okay. that um that the purple gang was never involved here in Toledo. It was an Italian gang. Okay. But somehow they got tainted to be the purple gang, which they're not technically the purple gang. So but so then I was doing re- and I was like, you know, I want to do a I want to do a, like a big project. At first. At first, this was going to be just a one, one, one boom done. But okay. then people were reaching out to me like, hey, they got more, they got more locations they use. You know, they're connected to this, they're connected to that, you know. And I was like, I was like, okay, well, maybe, maybe we'll have to do a part two, you know? And there was other locations I reached out to that I was hoping would be a part of part one, but they ended up jumping on to part two because they reached out to me later after part after part one was already done. Yeah, done, edited, and already, you know, 
together. Especially like a lot of places, like when we reached out to them, like things were still like majorly locked down with pandemic. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But then as like things started letting up and then people would be like, oh yeah, come on in. So like, they just needed, you know, we just need to get out of the pandemic more. So to see yeah. now, so then after we, after when I was editing part one, those places were jumping on board. They were like, hey, you know, come on out. You know, we want to be a part of that project. So I said, okay, uh-huh. great. I'm going to do a part two. And, you know, part two, you know, in part two, we investigate Senator Hooper's grave site. We get okay. some evidence there. Okay. Um, I uh, I reached out to a museum that houses Senator Hooper's hat that he was wearing when he got shot three times in the head. Okay. They would not allow me to come and investigate the hat. I wanted to so bad, and I thought it would be freaking sweet to put it in part two. But they said no because it's an unsolved case, and the only ones who have access to oh, it okay. is the Michigan State Police and them. So FBI. I was oh. yeah, the FBI and everybody and their mama. Okay. But, so I had to go around. I had to go to. I had to go around the bush and go to part uh, Plan B with the hat. I had the medium that's going to be in part two. Okay. Do a reading on the hat for me. Mm-hmm. So, she can read from like just a photo. Photo. She can sense okay. the energy and everything from it. So that's going to be in there. Okay. Then, um, we're going to sometime either in June or July. We are going to go to the location where he was shot in the head. Okay. Oh my god. We're going to and we're going to investigate that area for about an hour or two hours to see if the energy is still there. There. And um, for some people that might not know, because I had never heard of the Purple Gang, you know, even though I've been in Michigan for about 20 years, but I wasn't born here. Can you like give a brief description of what, of who they were and what activities were they involved in? So the Purple Gang is a Jewish gang that was um, evolved actually from New York. They were known as the Sugar House Gang. Some of them moved to Detroit during the Prohibition. So they ended up moving to Detroit, and when the prohibition hit and they outlawed alcohol, a manufacturing, selling, distribution, all that, so it created mafias, gangs, and stuff like that. So that comes in where Al Capone comes in. Al Capone owned speakeasies in Chicago. So... He made a deal with the Purple Gang at the time. He made a deal with the Purple Gang. The Purple Gang would bootleg alcohol from Canada across the river into Detroit and transport it to Al Capone in different cities of Michigan. And get it, and Al Capone would get it from whatever city he meets the Purple Gang in, and he would transport it back to Chicago. Wow. Um, the Purple Gang was also involved in the St. Valentine's Day Massacre where a bunch of mafia people were gunned down. Now oh. the wall, the wall where the the wall where they were gunned down at is actually in the museum at Las Vegas. The mob, the mob museum, which I really want to go investigate because they have reports of paranormal activity there. Wow. They actually have the don't they actually they actually have the actual um Tommy gun to uh McGurk, the mafia uh leader. 
They have okay. his actual Tommy gun. Wow. And then can you tell me, I know I asked you this, but I just, I wonder if you could, if you wouldn't mind repeating it, how do they get the Purple Gang name? Um, They were, uh, I think it came after they, after the uh, dryer uh, cleaner wars, a store owner said that they're, they're as rotten as meat. If you leave meat out, what does it do? It turns brown, purple. purple That's yeah. what that name came. Yep. And then. Yeah. The media ran with it back then. Said the Purple Gang, and that's how like that's how they got their name. Got the name. That is that is insane, though. I love that. When is the second part? When are you? Uh, uh, how far are you in the second part? And I think when are you expecting to release the second part? Um, the second part is going to be released next year in twenty in October of twenty twenty four. I have two theaters that are set up to to show it. Um. In the beginning of October, we're going to show it at the Ideal Theater in mm -hmm. Clare because people in Clare were kind of sad and upset that we didn't show the first part in Clare. Okay. Because we showed it in Albion, Michigan. Okay. And then I think was October 26th, we're going to show it in the Boom Theater okay. in Albion. So. Okay. Um, I have had people reach out to me that ask to maybe reach out some theaters in Travis City, um, Saginaw, you know, people around there. There's people always messaging me or commenting, say, hey, look at this theater. Have you met anyone from like their descendants, their family, or family tree or something? Scott Bernstein. It's in the first part of it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's like a cousin to the next of kin of Sam Bernstein, who was okay. one of the founders. Yeah. I don't I, I can't remember if it was Sam or if it was I can't remember the really the two founders. I know there was a Bern no, I think it was Abe, a Bernstein. Abe. I think he's yeah he's connected to a Bernstein. But he is a fourth generation ancestor wow. of the Purple Gang. Yeah, and we had we interviewed or he interviewed him for the first part. Yeah, and that we got he he's actually written a book too. Yeah, I don't know what it's he's, called at the time. He's actually been on. He's actually been filming with um, Fifty Cent. Okay, Mafia, um, stuff. So okay. yeah, he's he's been on. He has his own podcast. He's been on book. He's written books. He's been on the History Channel. ID. Oh wow! Crime. Okay. Yeah, he's he's been he's done it all. And done a lot. Okay. You know, and I'm very thankful that he took the time out to actually be a part of this documentary. Yeah, yeah I really enjoy the documentary. Just the way it was laid out. You know, the information how it was like. It was very. Um, I thought it was you know, piece together um, in a cohesive way for people like me that may perhaps I had never heard from the Purple Gang at that point. So he made a clear picture at that, you know, at that time. What What are the skills that you worked, that you and Maggie worked on um, to make this happen? So the skills that, the, the skills basically what I had to do was, is I had to reach out to a couple people that had video editing skills because at the time, I didn't know how to edit. You can ask my wife. I didn't know how to edit. You taught a lot of yourself. And yeah. And I don't understand the editing part. But I, 
he did a lot, but he also got some help from some people. Just okay. you know. Yeah. yeah, I I watched some YouTube videos. Yeah. I University is great. Yeah. I, I watched some YouTube videos and messed around with some video editing software to to actually teach myself. Mm-hmm. There there were times where where you can ask her where I would get frustrated because something wasn't going right. Yeah. And, you know, and I wanted it this way and it was just annoying and I would get frustrated and, you know, she would have to tell me like, you know, take a break, come back to it, you know, yeah. but, you know, I had other people come in and help me and, yeah. you know, I'm not the type who's just gonna just, you know, if I need help, I'm going to ask people that are friends of mine that know how to video edit. I'm going to ask their help. And, yeah. and I love that. Yeah. And they're, and the one that, the one, the really good friend that came through for me, he helped me like set, like set it up story-wise. Okay. Yeah. He helped me do that. He helped me set it up story, you know, storyline-wise. Uh-huh. And that is fascinating though. I love that because you, you know, so you have the motivation, the intrinsic motivation to just kind of work on it though. So yours for video, like editing skills. How about you, Maggie? What is something that you, that you learn by doing this, um, this documentary? Um, probably like talking to the camera. That was pretty hard. It still is okay. <laughs> just to be, you know, just the natural of it and stuff. To be more comfortable around it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that sounds, yeah. yeah. I think that's, I think everyone, I remember when I started doing YouTube videos, I was very um, self-aware of like, yeah. you know, how you sound, how you move, you know, and stuff like that. And I was like nervous, right? So that makes sense though. And I know you guys have two, have two kids and um, how have they like participated in the making of this documentary and have, you know, because I'm sure they watch you guys like talk about it or like yeah. work on it. You know, what, what do they say about it? Um, they haven't really said too much. Yeah. They're not really heavily involved in it. They're, I mean, they watch some things and yeah. And I think that's cool. Yeah. Like yeah. 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 I just, you know, and I really, I really like that because, you know, it's like, it's something that you got, that you guys are into. And then you obviously like enjoy doing, but not like, you know, bring them in, in a, in a, you have to be here with us or you have to do this. I, I find it to be like really cool because you know, this is something that you guys love to do. If someone has a child that's like interested in the paranormal, obviously you guys have the time, you know, as adults, we have more time, we have more freedom and, you know, um, time to spend some of our money on, you know, things that we want to do. But as a child, you may not have that much um, um, resources to you. So as a parent, you know, for or a, for a child that's interested in the paranormal, what would you say if, you know, to a parent that's like doubting, you know, perhaps maybe they're not into it, but their child is like really into it and they're, you know, asking for a little bit more. What would you say to that parent? Or what can we do as parents to support our children in that? Uh-huh. Um, you know, I would, you know, I I always, you know, it's hard to say because like I've come to learn that children who are into the paranormal end up having 
paranormal experiences themselves yeah themselves no so it either a it scares them or b it scares them to a point when they get older they're like you know what i want to pursue this because i lived in a haunted house i want to find answers Mm -hmm. now when it comes to like parents so like if you ever watch um what's what's the show i'm looking for or trying to think of uh psychic kids oh okay no i've never heard about it yeah so with psychic kids that show is where you know spirits will come to these children and they didn't know how to deal with it Mm -hmm. you don't have parents that don't understand the paranormal yeah and they're like sitting in the corner talking to something that's not there Mm -hmm. you know it's either a going to scare the free it's going to scare the parent or the parent ain't going to or it's going to blow it off and be like oh it must be an invisible friend or something like that okay you know it's just nowadays today you know you know parents have to you know you know pay attention to their children yeah Yeah. listen right listen believe them yeah if they're saying they're they're, they see something they see something Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. yeah you know they're sitting in the corner talking to themselves and you see on a camera in their bedroom they talking to themselves you know they're talking to something (laughs) yeah yeah that is um you know for a parent that perhaps me doesn't believe it i'm sure you have you guys have experienced like skepticism or people that perhaps are doubters um how do you reply how do you answer to that nowadays after you know working and being involved and having more experience how do you reply to that i just i just invite them to come into our basement in our room and sit in there for an hour and see what happens i guarantee you when they leave they become believers Leave your children, I guess, if you, yeah. if you, if you have someone, if you have a tiny human in your house that is interested in this though. Um, thank you so much for your time. As we wrap up, what is your most memorable moment as you have um, from the beginning of this journey into the paranormal up until now? What do you recall? The, what do you guys recall the most? I think mine is when I got scratched when I was investing in my collection. Oh, wow. Um, I got, when I got scratched on my left shoulder, I was actually holding the dirt to the farmland property of Ed Ginn and I was talking about the story because someone commented on Facebook live saying you know who's Ed Ginn I don't know who you know and I was explaining and next you know Texas Chainsaw Master that that was the relation but yeah yeah it's correlation but yeah and I was talking about I was talking about Ed Ginn and his mother and Next thing you know, I get this burning sensation on my left shoulder, like something scratched me. Wow. And I was blowing it off for about a minute or two because I thought maybe it was just the edge of my shirt. And mm-hmm. it kept burning and getting worse. And I said, I said, you know, honey, come over here and look at my shoulder and you can ask her. And I pointed it out and she's like, right here, as soon as she touched it, it burned worse. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that's probably one of my memorable moments. Uh, how about you you, maggie probably that um that at the ypsilanti museum Mm -hmm. probably got to do it because that was it was pretty crazy (laughs) yeah that sounds pretty crazy though so how can people connect with you um they can find us on uh facebook okay Um, they can find us at uh 13th floor 
because we are merging our our paranormal team with our production name now. I had to push everyone over to our production page on Facebook, which is 13 okay. Floor. Okay. So, you know, everyone who has a haunted item or unsure if they have a haunted item or own a piece of property from the Purple Gang, because I may down the road after I do a Gettysburg documentary next year, I may come back and do a part three to the purple. Yeah. And people have said they'd like to see a part three. Okay. And you know, and there are many locations, like I said, that the purple gang use. I haven't us any import here on. There are some import here on. So so yeah. yeah, So definitely enough material to create a part three at some point, right? Yeah. Yeah. So but after this part that comes out, I'm taking a break from it. Yep. And I'm going to come back to it. But yeah, so everyone can follow us at 13th Floor on uh, Facebook. Okay. Um, on TikTok. TikTok, same name. Same name. Um, YouTube, same name. Okay. Um, Instagram. Instagram, I haven't changed the name over. I have to work on that. I'm still transitioning everything. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I know that. I know that feeling. So for sure. Yeah. You know, and you're in the middle of family life and stuff. And I know you do this on your, um, you know, on weekends and, you know, spare moments that you guys have. So you guys are very busy. And I know you said when we started the call that you have, there are some events that you guys will be attending in the future. Would you mind sharing with us? Where will those be? Yes. Um, The first event, the first uh paranormal convention, we're going to be in Getty or no, we're going to be at um Penhurst. Pen- oh. We're going to be there for three days. Um, okay. We're going to be vendors there. Um, we will have some of our um, collection with us. Okay. So we like bringing our collection with us for people to, you know, experience, experience take yeah. pictures, take TikTok videos, whatever mm-hmm. they want to do. Um, and then we go from there. We're going to be in in Western. Is it Western? In, uh, Michigan. We're okay. going to be guest speakers there. Okay. At that Paracon, it's called Chaos Paracon in June. Okay. okay. Guest speakers there, so we will be talking about, you know, all our, of our all of our stuff projects. Yeah, we're going <laughs> oh. to talk about our, our haunted items, our paranormal series, the Purple Gang documentary, even part two when it comes out. Okay. And we're going to be there again. We will have our haunted collection with us and stuff like that. Okay. And then we're going back to Pennsylvania in September to the uh hell house paracon but we're going to be vendors there and again we'll have our collection and stuff mm-hmm. and then we will end at the mid michigan paracon which is going to be in mount pleasant michigan wow it sounds like you guys have a pretty full year already yeah, yeah we do and in between we're gonna actually like i mentioned earlier in between we're actually going to go up to the location where senator hooper was shot at okay and investigate that area to see if yeah. we get anything Wow. It sounds, you guys have a super busy year though. Sounds um, pretty familiar to us when we are like busy all the time, but Maggie, are there any projects that you want to pursue just like um, on your own, something that as you started this journey that you want to pursue just for yourself? Um, and I'm really trying to like open up myself more. Mm-hmm. So like I've gotten into crystals and like trying to get into like meditation and stuff, just to open yeah. myself up more. 
Yeah. Dennis and Maggie, thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure. And uh, thanks everyone for watching. So if you have any children that are interested in the paranormal, just believe them and just listen to them, I think, you know, and express interest in what they are, what they are sharing with you because it's pretty valuable. Yes. Yeah. So thank you so much. And uh, we'll catch up next time. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us in this amazing conversation. Dennis and Maggie Hagen will be available in the following events and all links are posted for you if you would like to purchase tickets and connect with them further. Once again, thank you so much for joining us. Have a beautiful, beautiful rest of your day. Take care. Bye. And we actually didn't have no kids at the time. And we- 2017. Oh, did we have, yeah, sorry. Sorry, we didn't <laughs> have kids. We had one. We had one. No. We had two? We had two, considering they were born in 2012 and 2014. Oh, okay. Yeah, that'd be two. I don't know where you came from. Uh, My bad. Start over. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Okay. Springfield, Pennsylvania? Is it Springwater, Pennsylvania? Spring Spring something, Pennsylvania. (laughs)